This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray. Lord, set our minds on you and fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can draw near to you even as you draw near to us and we can love you even as you have loved us. Amen. At the beginning of last month, we started a sermon series on stewarding God's abundant grace. Since then, we've heard about coins buried in a field, jars filled with large stones, and bodies made entirely of feet. If you were here for those sermons, then you can probably recall what each of those images represent, and if you weren't, then you can listen to them online on our website. Two weeks ago, Father Jonathan also called on us to remember the ways that God has shown his grace to us at Ascension throughout the decades. These images and the act of remembering are all examples of how we steward the abundant grace of God through the gift of our minds. So, what's on your mind right now? Are you thinking about the Steelers and the Ravens this afternoon? Are you thinking about a grocery list that needs to be completed before the end of the night? Or maybe a text message that you sent last night which has yet to get a response? Well, here's a question that I want us to focus on this morning. The question is, how are we using our minds to be present and caring people of God? And how do the things that occupy our minds impact that? How much are we paying attention to the good things of God around us? To get a better view of this, I want to go to this morning's passage from Philippians. St. Paul exhorts us to rejoice and be gentle. Don't worry about anything, but make our requests known to God with thanksgiving. And he tells us to do the things that we have learned and received and heard and seen in him. He also tells us to think. St. Paul writes, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, why would St. Paul care about the things that are on our minds? How can our thoughts make a difference in the way we act? Well, many of us have iPhones. And each Sunday in the middle of service, usually in time for confession, these iPhones light up with a pretty convicting notification called the screen time report. The report shows us a measure in hours and minutes that we have spent 
looking at our screens, and it gives us a list of our most used apps. And while I'm sure that every one of us have Church Center right at the top of that list, the rest of the list might vary. At the start of the pandemic, when the whole world was shut down, I often found my screen time being upwards of six hours a day. Six hours. I could have had a full-time job looking at my phone. And most of that was spent on social media apps doing what's called doom scrolling. And if you don't know what that is, it means that I was following the threads of whatever latest outrages or whinging of the day might have been. And thank you, Father Jonathan, for whinging. And doing that welled up anger, anxiety, and frustration within me. And yet I would continue to dig deeper into these things, and eventually I found myself overwhelmed with the emotions that they brought out and unable to stop doing it. I'm sure we're all aware of just how easy it is for us to be drawn into this cycle. These social media apps have been curated for doing that. We live in a world where all of our lives have become content in the midst of a content movement where everything about our lives is a commodity, including our minds. Our attention is being bought and sold for interactions, for clicks and likes. And the world doesn't care if those interactions come by way of anger or guilt or self-righteousness, as long as we are part of their movement. Some of you might have seen the Netflix documentary from 2020 called The Social Dilemma. And the argument is essentially put this way. Every company is trying to sell a product. And these social media companies make a free app. So the product is you. It's your mind. It's your attention. And maybe it's not just social media that takes up our minds. Maybe it's streaming shows or mobile games or sports statistics. Or maybe it's an outrage-based news outlet that creates an other side from which all evil flows. I wonder what else occupies your mind. When I was deep into my six-hour-a-day binging of social media, which I would even dare to say was an addiction, I was constantly distracted and anxious and inattentive to what was going on around me. It made me less present, less gentle, less kind, and less willing to go to God with my needs. It took me some time to get over that addiction. I took a lot of steps to break it, including turning all the notifications on my phone off. I shared about it with my church community and with my counselor. And I decided to give more time to other things, my activities, my creative hobbies. We need to remember how we think and what we think about makes a big difference in our ability to follow the other instructions given to us by St. Paul. Rejoice. Be gentle. Don't worry, 
but instead make our requests known to God with thanksgiving. We are told by him to think about a list of virtues. We are told to think about what is true. And yet many of us spend a lot of our time thinking about things that are not true. Things like the fact that we think nobody cares about us, that we are insignificant, that we have no value. Maybe even that God has forsaken us and we are alone. But we know these things are not true. So why do we keep thinking about them? The truth is that God loves you. Jesus Christ died for you to show you his love. He's given us his spirit to unite us as one in him. This is the real truth that is worthy of our thinking. And St. Paul tells us to think about that which is honorable, and we can spend time thinking about things that are dishonorable. In our pride, we can think less of people that we find annoying or that were rude to us, even if just once. We selfishly imagine ourselves having more than we actually have and being envious of others. But what would be honorable? To know that every person is created in the image of God and as deeply loved by him as we are. To know that we are all sinners and we all undeservedly receive God's abundant grace and mercy. I wonder how much of your thinking time is spent reflecting on what is just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And I wonder how much of your thinking time is dominated by your fears, your insecurities, or your distrust. Which is not to say that these things are unfounded, but should they occupy as much of the time that we give them in our thinking. There is such a freedom that can be ours as we follow St. Paul's instructions to think on the virtues that he has listed in our passage, especially if we think about them over and against the other thoughts which occupy our minds. This is a formational act in stewarding our minds, giving our minds over to Jesus. And this is something that Jesus himself helps us to do. In our gospel reading, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. But how do we keep his commandments? And honestly, how do we even love him? And Jesus gives us the answer to this question. He will send us another advocate. And who is the advocate? Jesus says this is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. As we practice stewarding our minds, we are not 
on our own. God is not only with us in the abstract, like a dad cheering on his daughter in a peewee soccer game from the stands. Jesus has promised that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is not only with us, but within us. When Jesus says we will keep his commandments, he is saying that the Holy Spirit that he sends will fill us and empower us to do so. God is with you. He is with you when you struggle. He is with you when you have fear, shame, worry. If you have any trouble, you can turn to him. You can lean on him. You can cry out to him for help. Remember this. As we go back to Philippians, where St. Paul tells us to think about what is true and honorable, because I want to put this into context. Jesus says that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. If you confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, And if you have been baptized and sealed with the Holy Spirit, then ask the Spirit of truth to reveal to you what is true and honorable. Be quiet in his presence and allow him to bring to mind what is just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. One way that we can do this is by allowing ourselves to imagine where we see these virtues. Jesus uses imagery all the time when he talks about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? It's where our Lord Jesus reigns, where his people serve him, and where peace surpasses all understanding. It is the dwelling place of what is true, honorable, Just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Thinking about the kingdom of God will help us to think about these virtues. And of course, the kingdom of God is beyond our understanding, so Jesus, knowing that, gives us imaginative examples. He says that it is like a mustard seed, a lost coin, a pearl of great price, and a treasure in a field. How might you describe the kingdom of God? I was thinking about this question, and I thought of three examples of how I might describe the kingdom of God. Maybe the kingdom of God is like a painter who fills an empty canvas with color so that all who look at it no longer feel empty. Or maybe the kingdom of God is like a mathematician who upon the discovery of a new equation teaches all her friends that it makes sense of the world around them. Or the kingdom of God is like a musician weaving melodies like a three-strand chord and bringing resolution to the ears of all who hear his song. 
Jesus also spoke in parables, using daily experiences of the people around him to present heavenly truth. First century Israel is an agricultural society, so Jesus speaks about wheat and weeds and a field. How might this have impacted the way that the farmers who listen to him view the work that they do? How might that have shaped the way that they live their lives? How might seeing our daily life as a parable impact the way we live? And are there other examples of everyday things we can use to imagine God? Think about an ocean, its immensity, its power. How much life dwells beneath its surface through which I cannot see. God is more immense and powerful than an ocean. There is so much mystery to his majesty that Isaiah saw seraphim flying around his throne shouting, holy, 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 at each new sight of every turn. Within God dwells abundant and everlasting life. Stewarding our minds, allowing our thoughts to dwell on the things of God, will change how we live our lives because it will change how we see our lives. Allowing our minds to imagine our daily lives in parables is one way to pull us back into thinking about God and to thinking about these virtues given to us by St. Paul. As the Holy Spirit moves in our minds with these thoughts, we will find the rest of our being transformed to be more like Jesus, more ready to rejoice and be, and be gentle, more ready to make our requests known to God with thanksgiving and not worry. My dwelling on social media made me more ready to be agitated and anxious. But dwelling on Jesus in the Holy Spirit shapes us to be more like him and gives us his peace. We can trust Jesus at his word when he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Our church is in the midst of a very big transition. Father Jonathan will no longer be the rector of Ascension after he retires on July 1st next year. It is in stewarding our minds well, remembering the grace of God that we have received, that we can truly entrust the future of our church to God. If we can think about the true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy things that God has done in our midst, then we can rejoice and we can be gentle with one another. We can truly believe that the Lord is near and even within us, 
we can offer up this search process for a new rector with thanksgiving and be filled with the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. God is with us, and he is with you. The invitation is to love Jesus. Call on him as Lord and trust him. Ask, and his spirit within you will reveal these good things to you. He will see you through every trouble, every anxiety, every fear, every failure, everything that this world has to throw at you. Let us rejoice and be gentle and not worry, but instead turn to God with thanksgiving. As we continue our worship service this morning, let's not think about the Steelers or grocery lists or social media posts. Let's think instead about what is true and honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Let's think about Jesus, about his love for you, his presence with you, and his longing for you to draw near to him even as he draws near to you. Amen. <laughs>